Hello, world. Welcome back to Golf Subpar. Colt knows Drew Stoltz, uh, also known as football experts. Please, <laughs> we are on an absolute heater right now. We'll get to golf, but let's talk a little football real quick. Perfect. Let's open it up with a little ball, with a little pig. We each took two games that we liked. Florida State for you, winner. Oklahoma for me, beat a shitty Nebraska team. But we also threw out a fun little parlay there with you. Max Homa to top 10, along with the Cow Bears to cover. By the way, there were several of you out there that sent me DMs saying, Notre Dame is going to kill them by three touchdowns. There's no chance Cal covers this bet. And I'm like, hey, man, let's just see what happens. I'm pretty sure you don't know more about football than we do because we're the best. Right. But I, it just – it crew, other than the fumble at the end, which almost Got, gave us both a heart attack at we Cal Club. We were at the bar at Cal Club, <laughs> about to just start counting our chicken. I was like, this – seen weirder shit happen than this. Pick six is fumbled. All of a sudden, damn, if it doesn't fumble back – and it's just silence. In there, I was like, this is how we're going to lose this thing right here. By the way, we watched the Florida State game in there, too. That thing got a little close for a minute, mm. too. That was, that was a grinded out towards the end. But as soon as that fumble, I was like, can't can't do this. Can't do let us Let us be successful one time. The Max Homa top 10 was the least stressful part of the whole thing. We saw Max up like Friday. I was like, oh, he's leading? Okay. So cool. that's That'll 100% begin. he'll close out a top 10. But talk about the end of that golf tournament. Ooh. I mean, you, t- you talk about the tables turning quickly. I had people, uh, one of our good buddies, David Levan, texted me, and he's like, uh, what the fuck just happened in the last two minutes? That's exactly what every person who saw yeah. that happened was thinking. I was the damnedest. I don't know, like, you know, you get the, like, football game odds when you look on your phone. It's like, oh, they're 97% chance to win. After the third shots on the 18th hole, I would love to know the probability of Danny Willett not winning. And in, in, if he didn't win, not losing in a playoff. So losing yeah. in regulation, what his odds were. What do you think it had? That would have I been mean, a fun dude, thing to look at. That's got to be less than one that's for sure less than one percent yeah i mean data that's golf point does zero stuff. zero something it would have been it would have been one percent or less i mean had to be you had to have max Homa obviously Oop. chip in and then danny willett miss a three foot three seven foot. inch putt the chip in could happen yeah. a miss could happen but a chip in on top of a three putt doesn't happen that was the most i was like for danny i was like damn that's a just about the worst way you could possibly lose one but then at the same time i was like max go ahead and get your fifth there bud yeah. right on the way Stay to the Prezi cup yeah 1. god 1. things are million. going kyle P- porter put out a great tweet from cbs he he took a screenshot of both where max was hitting his fourth and where danny yeah. Will was hitting his fourth and he goes max took one to get down from here will it took three to get down from here yeah it was watching danny hit that it was three feet seven inches what they had it mm-hmm. on the shot yeah. tracker I, I was i'm not overly shocked it's not just mind-blowing that he would miss that but it is mind-blowing i think that he would roll it four plus have longer coming back and then miss that one too i was like man i don't know you saw his little wry smile though after max chipped it in and he was kind of like you just let me can i can i well, it's just the one here? thing you can't have happen is is a, is a chip in like if he just misses the chip it's like okay i can just tickle this one yeah, down just there and brush. it's over brush. and by the way danny willett i've known him since walker cup days that's who i played in both days at singles one of the best putters on the planet we saw him roll it when he won the Masters in 2016. I mean, putting is a strength of his game. That was just a total shock. He made the huge Dude, the one on 17, 17 was monstrous. In that rain, I was like, look, they're going to miss one. You're going to three-putt one. Like, this mm-hmm. is it. Then, all right, so you're like, okay, he's feeling some nerves, but he calms him down with that nine-footer on 17. Huge balls to make that putt. And then comes back. Both No one can get there. Max could have gotten there, but Danny, you know, hit wood and had to lay up. And I was like, all right, well, this is a nervy little kind of shot there. Front mm-hmm. left pin is a little tough. Maybe I was expecting him to throw it past the hole, try to spin it back. Get in there. I was like, damn, he's handling the nerves fine. But obviously, as soon as Max doinks one, it gets a little different. But that ending of that thing, I was like, I was going back and forth between golf football, golf football. I was like, holy shit. I wonder how many people who love golf are watching football right now that didn't just see that. Yeah, I mean, that's it was a perfect day to have multiple TVs because there was a lot going on. I had the Cowboys going. Max Homa trying to get his fifth win, which he obviously did. 
heading into the President's Cup with a ton of confidence. I mean, this guy, look at he's going to be a top 10 player in the world at the end of the year. That golf swing is getting more and more just robot perfect. I'm like, it looks like if you go to a, one of your club manufacturers and they got the robot that hits and it goes back to the top real slow and then just fires and it's perfect. You're like, why don't I try to swing like that? That's what Max does. It's not, I feel like I'm watching the little machine hit it. It's it's unbelievable. He's going to win multiple more times. It's interesting to hear his interviews. Like, yeah, some people on Twitter said, if it weren't for the live guys, I wouldn't be on the President's Cup team. I was like, who's saying that? Yeah, I, I, I would you just you, you just won three times in, for, in a year. He's won the most in the last, I believe, 18 months than anyone He's, else on the PGA Tour. He's got four wins in 41 four months. Four ones in 41 starts. That's yeah. 10%. That's a pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, he's, well, let's, he's thumping. Congratulations, Max. Keep on rolling especially since you live here and you're flying private now. But that's a story for We all day. win. Everyone's a winner here. We all won this week. But let's talk about the main event of the golf in the golfing world. The member guest out at Cal Club. Oh. You and your partner, Brian Waters. What happened? My man, Fook. <laughs> Fukuhara, the absolute beauty. Oh, God. Uh, he was described to me before. I never met the guy. He was described to me He's before. Special. As a man who likes to have a good time and get amongst it. What you Even think? more than we did. Uh, he lived up to the hype, guys. You feel like he was, <laughs> he he was uh, described appropriately? He was definitely prescribed uh, prescribed prescribed he was also prescribed <laughs> he was also, yeah but it was uh it was so much fun i'd never played cow club before how sick love the place so it good is so much fun to play yep um the fairways my god are they tight they and not, sandy not, not with wise the height they cut them and sandy i got the fescue out there it is the most chunkable environment in the world i've seen guys that like my partner for instance, like he'll play he putts from he putts from 40 i'm like what are you doing dude he's a really good player you know he's a great he made yeah. it he won a match in the u.s senior am he can, self he can golf his ball 17th ranked 17th senior amateur in the world <laughs> going with the 17th best senior am in the united states or the world and I, w- I would you know see him in practice around stuff putting i'm like what are you doing he's like dude trust me it's the play and then after playing out there i'm like yeah dude the 60 laid open ain't it it's well, different I know it's y'all so didn't good, play the though. way you wanted. We'll get to something cool We played cool good, that dude. Happened. We just couldn't win more than a point at a time. Me and my man were cruising. We were just in that perfect. As What did what you describe at Graham Dillette's event? You got your peak. You, you peak. Gotta your you got to hit the peak it. super early, but you got to hold the peak. You we held valley, it. and you cannot go higher than the peak because that's dangerous also. You just have to peak early, peak often. Shouldn't be a problem. Well, we, we peaked, yeah. and we held together for two days. Our only match we didn't win was we pushed with mm. you and Waters in the last match, which we had a pretty big lead in the first flight but we there, battled. so it didn't matter. You had a nice battle, but Sleaze, it all came down to the shootout. And they do it different there. There are a lot of teams like advance. If you make par, you're automatically in, and then if there's only a certain amount of pars, it goes to the next one, and it's put off. Well, we, we cruised through the first hole. Meanwhile, after our match with y'all, we had about two hours to kill before the shootout, and that's when we started to go downhill. Or at least you, I did. You stop peaking. You you're coming down from the summit. Dan- it's even more dangerous than going up. Because I mean, we were sitting at the bar. Football was on. I'm like, okay, just more cocktails. Here they come. Here they come. Well, we got to the shootout, and I was like, oh boy, <laughs> might have overindulged a little bit here. Second playoff hole is the 11th, the par four down the hill. My man hits a beautiful tee shot, 84 yards, just sitting right there. I'm like, this is I mean, this is a cupcake. This is three and a half at worst. I mean, uh, right in the middle of the ball, skull fuck back bunker, mm-hmm. just. I was mortified. I felt so bad for my partner. In front of everyone. We had so such good. a great week. It was great. And then I hit in the back bunker. He hits it out to about 20 feet. I hit a terrible putt. He misses the bogey putt. We make dub from 84 yards, and it's over. And dirt nap. Yep. 11 is the Bermuda Triangle of wedges. Mm. I have hit a few weirdies there, too. I'm like, what? I have like a, it gets brought up every time on the whole by the partner. He's like, here you go. What do you, 
What are you gonna do? A blade sod. It's tricky environment, especially when you're 72 cocktails deep. Yep. It can happen. We went in as the sixth seed out of six in the championship flight, though, and we prevailed. Yeah, so, you guys are in a good spot. That we was going to be a tough team. Tough team to give. We also signed a lifetime contract. That's so. Is that I will good? be back. Yeah. Is that good? Well, I don't know how long each of our lives are going to be, but yeah, yeah, it's day to day at this point. Who? But man, that was Fook. That was an absolute blast. Cal Club, y'all put on a great show. Oh, it was a lot of fun. It's that place is so good. First day, I had a little cool moment. Got to play with Steph Curry out there. See it up close and personal. It's good, dude. Legit. He showed up. I was like, "What's your hand?" He's like, "Plus one." Okay. Works out. And it, first hole, right out the car, short par five, eag bomb, mm. short iron in. If you hit that downhill, so he's two up forever. through one on you. I uh, two up through one. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He was like three under through three. I was like looking at waters, like I can, this is this is gonna be bad for the. For the ego. He, he played good, dude. He, he probably shot even one under somewhere around there. The kids, it's unbelievable that I'm like, that's the best basketball player in the world, arguably, right? He's dedicated his entire life to that. And here he is playing this like secondary sport and he's that good at it. He is. It's it's fun to watch. And, and everything. He does. And he, he's such a nice dude, dude. Sitting out, hanging out in the locker room with the magician. The wizard came back. Oh, my what God. What did I tell you about he's the unbelievable. wizard? He's, oh, by the way, staying on the Steph Curry topic, how about the one where he had. St he was like, "All right, somebody sign a cart," and he handed it to Steph. I was like, "Oh, yeah, you, so you're this. you, Mr. Random Person over here, why don't you just go ahead and put your Johnny Hancock on that?" I was like, "You didn't pick any of us for the for the <laughs> signature trick here," but he peeled his freaking signature off the back of the card and then shuffled it all up, and it reshowed up on the on the number side. The guy's dude is he's he's a little bit terrifying, honestly. I told you. Was I overhyping him or no? No, he was great. Those oh, guys dude, are incredible. Scary, I mean, dude. He had everybody freaking out. It was a lot of fun. But once again, thank you so much wizard. to Cal Club for a great week. We probably need to resupply your doers because I think we consumed most of it. And doers blended scotch whiskey and the great game of golf are a match made in Scotland. Because honestly, few things are better after a round of golf than a round of doers. Especially doers 15-year-old created to be a lighter, sweeter blended scotch whiskey. It's double-aged and as smooth as peering an iron over the bunker for a tap-in birdie. With notes of honey and toffee that play off subtle floral notes, this is a must-try blended scotch. We love it so much, we recommend giving a bottle to someone special for a milestone birthday, promotion, or even a close friend's wedding. You can make your gift even more meaningful by making a personalized bottle or a custom label at doers.com. So here's the perfect blended scotch whiskey. And a golf, a perfect combination. Enjoy responsibly, which we obviously did. It's now time... For the doers cheers moment of the week and sleaze i was glad you could be there mm. this was pain my, my joy turned to pain turned back to joy very quickly well we were out there playing against you and your partner brian waters i believe we were one up through five we come to the sixth difficult par three by the way nasty great green. hole yes shorty not long but a lot of bugs 178 yards little helping win i hit a nice seven iron as You'd say endures, just peered it right over the bunker. She got to tracking and all of a sudden disappeared, and then all hell broke loose. All hell did break <laughs> loose. And I was immediately I was like, God damn it. Why in our group of all of all the teams that could have happened against why us? And then I was like, you know what? Who gives a shit? We're gonna go over there, we're gonna slam some doers, we're gonna have a good time. We're probably not winning this thing. Let's mm -hmm. go have have ourselves a day. Went over there, warmed up the belly a little bit, and uh kept it moving. But it landed. It started tracking. I was like, Oh, it's left of it. Maybe it rolls long. I don't know. Then it starts turning, turning. I was like, that is that is going directly at the hole. That is, and all of a sudden, just bam. And there was no none of that, like, oh, did it go over the tier or it's yeah. long? You know, some of them look like they go in. No, I was like, that's in the hole. And that was we fun. went apeshit on that tee for a while. We did. It was uh, ace number 11. So that was, it was really cool. And to have it there was 
really fun. And to have you in the group and Waters. Well, I don't even think Waters said congratulations. Waters broke his eight iron and then he was bucking. Yeah, he got so <laughs> walked to the cart. I was thinking, you're going to hit one, dog? Well, you can make it too. Oh, I love it. Well, that, that was, was a lot good. of fun. And we're on to the President's Cup. It's President's Cup week. Team USA, massive favorite over the internationals. Minus 700 at FanDuel. Juicy. <laughs> Jesus, that's it's a lot. A juicy line. But our guest this week has been a staple on that team, making his 10th consecutive President's Cup appearance. The beautiful Adam Scott. By the way, we had there's a couple little audio eh, here and there. Yeah. Be nice. He was in Switzerland. He's in Switzerland <laughs> in a room that uh, before we went on air, it looked like I was like, are you in your sauna? It was all wood, everything behind him. And um, yeah, so he was a long ways away. There's a little bit of audio, but uh, fun to hop on with Adam, dude. You'll hear about it awesome, here. Dude. We'll recap it at the end, but he's a dude, man. All right. Here's Adam Scott on Golf Subpar. All right, folks, we've got the man with one of the most YouTube swings on the planet with us here today. He's making his 10th consecutive appearance at the President's Cup for the Internationals. He's won 14 times on the PGA Tour, including a little tournament called the Masters. Adam Scott is with us. How are you, Adam? I'm doing well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. First off, let's get before we get to some serious golf stuff, we got to talk about this hair, because I was actually talking to your caddy, <laughs> your old caddy, Tony Navarro earlier and he was telling me when you let the hair grow you can get quite the fro going yeah you know i mean from the yeah. looks of it right here he yes. told me about a little story over at sun city when y'all went to they call it the bry i let it go that that evening down there that was a long time ago like how long how big memory, we talking? But it was it was pretty big size i you know for me anyway i don't know if you guys remember but Tim Clark and myself, we, we didn't cut our hair for like a year and a half or something at some point, and the golf media picked up on it, and it was getting a little out of hand, and that must have been in uh, that must have been in December sometime. So uh, I'm thinking it was toward the end of that, and it was casting. I think everyone made fun that night because it was like casting a shadow at the bry. I stood in front of a light or something when they announced the players, and like there was this silhouette of a massive pro there. Most most golfers would die for a hairline like that, and you're concealing it under a hat. I think you'd be a perfect let it go for a bit, and then throw the visor on. I think that would be a, a yeah. good look for the kid. It'd be quite. It'd be quite an interesting look. Yeah, I I think. Um, I, I don't mind that look, but it'd shock a few people, <laughs> sure. I don't know. I, I've had a few looks over the years if you troll back through uh, some photos and you're like, really, you did that? Yeah, uh, there are a few of them. Well, you're getting there right now. Yeah, and you're, and you're getting ready for your 10th President's <laughs> Cup over in Charlotte. But right now you're in Switzerland at your home. First of all, how, how often are you in Switzerland? And, and are you traveling out of there to like PGA Tour events? Or do you have a place over in America as well? Yeah, no, for the last two and a half years, I've called Switzerland home and uh, we've, we've lived here. Our kids went into school here two and a half years ago. They're still little, but they started school about that time. And, uh, and I've been traveling in and out. It was really inconvenient during COVID. That was a disaster. So that wasn't a lot of fun. But um, yeah, th there's a fair bit of travel going on, but I'm pretty used to it. When you're home in Australia, like I know you like to surf, you like to get out there, be active. What do you do in Switzerland if you're not out on the golf course practicing, getting ready? Well, believe it or not, there is actually uh, a wave pool 30 minutes from the house here. You know, one of those wave gardens, which is pretty fun. So um, I occasionally get, I do get to surf in Switzerland, believe it or not. But uh, most of the time, 
it's uh, chasing around kids. Really, that's what, <laughs> like yep. most parents do is chasing the kids around and they're getting more and more activities going. So running drop-offs and pickups uh, and coordinating that, that's really what I'm up to. But it, it's pretty nice up here. We live up in the mountains and uh, I guess I guess mountain biking is kind of the thing to do. Yeah, so active. Well, speaking of chasing kids, you're going to do some of that next week over in Charlotte at Quail Hollow. Y'all got a rather young team on the international squad. What's it mean for you? to? I mean, this this is obviously a huge event. Your 10th one. How excited do you get going into these events? No, it's great. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad we got a ton of young guys on there. They can just carry me around for the week. Uh, they're not going to run out of energy. It's going to be great. Uh, and really, I think I'm probably... Uh, you know, the last old guy hanging in on a really changing international lineup. We saw a fair bit of change uh, two and a half years ago in Melbourne when Ernie was the captain of the team. I think the team took on a pretty young look there. And again, it's gone younger again this year. And uh, I think it's, I think it's that time. It's kind of a, a shift for the internationals. A lot of good stuff has happened for our team. Uh, since Ernie took on the captaincy and passed it on to Trevor. He's continued some of the stuff Ernie started. And, uh, you know, it's very refreshing seeing these young guys who have spent their entire lives dreaming of making an international President's Cup team. It's the first time I've really, I think, we're at that point where for their entire life they've been looking at the president's cup to make a team yeah, and adam you're like a fairly i would say under the radar guy you don't like a lot of attention you're not the loudest guy in the room but now that you're the veteran guy in this locker room with the international team what's that like for you to be the leader the vocal leader is that a, is that a role you like and and look forward to uh yeah i don't i don't mind that role i mean i kind of play the role that the captains need me to play uh, the best role I can play is winning points role. Uh, and I certainly do feel as like a older player on the team. There's no doubt the young guys are looking for some kind of leadership. I know I was when I was a young guy on the team. So without uh, overstepping the mark, I certainly speak up when I feel appropriate uh, and just try and fill the room with confidence uh, and and belief that we can go out there and play 18 holes and that they can all match with the U.S. guys over 18 holes. And if we do it enough, we're going to come away with the cup. And, I mean, you're, you're missing some rather big names from the international team with their choice to go over to live. You know, I know guys like Cam Smith, Mark Leishman have looked up to you their whole career. Were you in their ear at all saying, hey, maybe wait until after Charlotte? Like, let's give this thing a go? For the president's cup or were you did you kind of just stay out of it there's no there's no doubt our team took a pretty significant hit and when wedge played the underdogs that's not ideal but um you know with the way things are moving in the game of golf at the moment um you know the timing certainly wasn't on the international team side on this one um I, w I wish they could have waited around, but they've been presented with an opportunity that they, they couldn't turn down. And, uh, you know, that's what it is. It's just, um, <clears throat> I guess, 
we haven't really had this kind of disruption before or these things, but it happens in every other sport, whether people are traded or, um, or decide to join another team or something like that. And uh, it's, a, it's a different time for golf. We're all going to have to kind of get used to it, I guess. Did you ever think, like, with throughout your career, I mean, the money just keeps going up and up and up in the game of golf. Did you ever think, like, there was going to be this kind of di disruption during your career? Probably not. I probably didn't think about it. it. It's been so dominated by the PGA Tour for my entire career. You know, certainly I came along at an incredible time. I think Tiger Woods had been a pro about three years and, and the Tiger Woods effect just started to take shape and purses just got bigger. Tiger did his thing and they kept getting bigger and the PGA Tour went from strength to strength. So um, it was not something that anyone was really focused on. There had been rumblings about uh, about some kind of league for the last five or six years, but I guess every time those rumblings got louder, it just looked so difficult for it to start. I mean, the PGA Tour had such a stranglehold on the top-level pro golf, so... Um, yeah, even back earlier this year, you know, everyone was thinking again, you know, it's just talk and nothing's happening, but here we are uh, toward the end of the year and, and Liv is up and running and going and they have certainly acquired some formidable names in the game of golf. Yeah, and a couple of those names, like we mentioned, Cam Smith, Mark Leishman, I think those are guys that we probably had pegged for you to be partners with at some point during Quail Hall. Now that they're not on the team, do you have any idea of guys that you – might be paired with or would like to be paired with on this team? Yeah, look, I mean, I think personally, I, you know, I would love to play with any of them. They're all really great players. If I could play with an Australian, I think that'd be fun. But, um, you know, one thing I have learned through all the years of the President's Cup and then certainly has only brought um, a more data analytical approach to our team is, you know, these natural pairings of joining your countrymen together doesn't always work out great and probably didn't for us for a long time. And uh, if you go back and remember in Melbourne, through the team portion of the President's Cup, the internationals were leading by two, I think, going into the singles on Sunday with, an, again, a weak team. and uh, But using some of the data to our advantage enabled us to strengthen the team up. So although I'd, I'd love to roll out and play with uh, uh, Cam Davis um, from Australia, I think that'd be really fun. I, I don't know if that's really on the cards or not, but uh, you know, you look at some of these guys I've, I've, <laughs> who wouldn't want to partner Hideki Matsuyama just nuts it down the middle and puts it on the green every time I've partnered him before and that'd be great too we've had some we've had some good matches together any anyone we go up against is going to be a tough match and uh, all we can do is get prepared for it and like we said this is your 10th appearance at some point you're going to be a captain and I know y'all have only won once in the history of the President's Cup with that being said is there anything that you would like to see them change possibly in the format or how the teams are picked or anything like that to maybe make it more competitive? Well, it's, you know, I, I'm not going to be the guy to sit on here and complain because we lose all the time. 
you know the internationals <laughs> got got together a few years ago and had and had a fair fair dig at, at the tour to make some change and if you remember back in uh 2015 they they significantly lost the points 15 uh we currently we play for two more points overall in the week than the Ryder Cup and it used to be six more and they were all before the Sunday singles so if you have a significantly stronger team trotting out uh with six more points before the bulk of the points come on Sunday in the singles uh it's it's sometimes hard to overcome and you know we we push pretty hard to get the same format as the Ryder Cup which is an incredibly successful event uh seems to produce magic every year in a way uh and the right kind of formula however there was a bit of pushback about having two of the same events and and needing a point of difference for the president's cup and we've got to this point and i think um i think directing the focus back on what our team can do better which only really did a great job of diving in and analyzing what we should do better rather than what the whole tournament should change got us into a much better place in melbourne and i think trevor's got to be focusing on similar things and he has and he's leaving no stone unturned and will be as prepared as we can be but in saying all that the internationals really need to win one so this thing becomes a bit more interesting for everybody that is for sure and uh we're up against it the american team is red hot this year and um you know but also a bit of a younger looking team you know maybe not quite as much experience uh, as some of the great us teams over the over history and you know maybe we'll catch them on on an off day and maybe not as much scar tissue for some of those young guys too but i'll say this speaking personally i thought melbourne was one of the most entertaining fun to watch presidents cups maybe going back all the way to south africa um, do you have a favorite moment in any of your President's Cups right now that stands out like, yes, that was my, that was my favorite moment of President's Cup competition? Uh, prob uh, I probably can mention a favorite moment from everyone I play in. They're quite, you know, they're special events. We don't, we don't often play them. Uh, so I have strong memories from probably each one. The last one in Melbourne, I felt like, uh, was an incredibly special feeling for me playing in front of the home crowd and for the first time ever I felt like we had a home crowd advantage I felt like the crowd was very much on our side and a little less on the American side I always have felt uh, certainly um, with Tiger and everybody else but when they travel the world, because they don't travel outside America so much, everyone's so ex excited to see the US team too. They kind of forget that we're meant to have the home advantage and the cheering is very equal, which is all very nice. But uh, Melbourne was great for me personally. Um, I felt incredibly supported at home, but I also felt the rest of our team was supported. So that was pretty fun. But South Africa, I think, was the greatest experience of the president's cup for me uh when it came down to tiger and ernie having a playoff uh both in the primes of their career uh it was really it was really fascinating stuff really and uh incredible incredibly nerve-wracking watching that uh on the sidelines 
I can't imagine. And especially those two having to play in the dark with everything on the line. Uh, that one's going to be hard to beat for sure. And we can't wait for Charlotte. But I want to talk a little bit about Tiger. Do you remember the first time you met him? Was it when you were, were you working with Butch Harmon yet? First time I met him, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure the first time I met him was actually, um, I was at UNLV and he used to actually train with uh, the trainer, the UNLV golf team used in Las Vegas. He was occasionally in Las Vegas and I just met him at the gym there. Um, and there was no, nothing more to it than that. But I really, I really met Tiger and got to play with him for the first time when he was working with Butch Harmon. And I just started working with Butch Harmon. Okay, folks, it's time to play your best golf with the Rapsodo MLM, the number one rated personal launch monitor on the market today. Featuring incredibly precise measurements, remarkable accuracy, data-rich visuals, and new performance combines, the MLM is the mobile launch monitor to help the grinders, the range ratch, and the golf junkies get better by delivering more insights and structure to every practice session. Pairing Doppler radar with an iPhone or iPad camera, Rapsodo MLM ensures that every golf ball is tracked and incredibly accurate. Additionally, MLM gives shot tracing for every swing and visually charts each shot for a better understanding of consistency, accuracy, and length. The pro-level data and metrics provide measurable and actionable feedback to make practice sessions smarter, more structured, and more focused toward improvement. And let's talk about the new Performance Combines tool now available for MLM Premium subscribers. The new Performance Combines feature is a 24-shot test at two targets and a driver to identify golfers' biggest weaknesses. They also know where their game needs the most work. Designed by industry-leading and trusted golf expert Dr. Sasho McKenzie, Performance Combines utilizes over 100,000 shots of PGA-level data and 20-plus years of data directly from Dr. McKenzie's work with different skill levels and handicaps. Practice with a purpose every time you hit the range. Better practice, better scores, better golf. Just go to rapsoto.com subpar and use promo code subpar for $100 off the MLM. Right now, Rapsodo is also offering a $30 off bundle discount for MLM and their premium subscription. So subpar listeners have the opportunity to save over $130 total with purchase of the bundle package. Stop wasting time on the range with ineffective practice that doesn't lead to improvement. Get a Rapsodo MLM and get a plan for lower scores. Take me through how you got to start working with Butch, because that's not one that just anyone can call Butch and be like, hey, uh, I'd like to come take a you lesson three from o'clock? you. Yeah. Like, I know you're Adam Scott, you're at UNLV, you got a little bit of a name, but was that something like, did you reach out to him or was did Greg Norman help? How did that whole relationship start? I'm glad he didn't charge me for that first lesson, that's for sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was not much in the account when I was going to UNLV. Charlie Hoffman took most of uh, any money I had off me gambling at UNLV. That's <laughs> but that's another story. Um, when I met Birch, uh, was through through a mutual friend, I'd say now, but uh, a real legend of Australian golf, Tom Crow. He founded Cobra back in the day, mm-hmm. Cobra Golf. And uh, when I came to America, he'd taken upon himself to just make sure I was getting on okay over there. You know, I was pretty young when I came over. I was 17, played a summer of amateur golf and then started at UNLV as a freshman. And uh, he was helping me out with a bit of equipment and just making sure I found my feet uh, when I came up, 
from the little pond in Australia to the big pond in the States. And uh, after a little while, he felt my game was in a place where, um, and I was settled in Vegas, which is where Butch coached that he wanted to introduce me and see if that was a good direction for me to go. So he made that introduction. They are great friends. They've been great friends for a long time. And um, yeah, I'd say, I don't know that Butch and I just clicked straight away. However, I mean, I was so nervous. I still remember hitting the first few balls in his, in his swing studio and wasn't sure whether I was going to get them outside the building or not. <laughs> I mean, my hands were shaking. It's like being on the first tee, having Butch watch over you. And this is in uh, the end of 99. So, like, really prime Tiger mania uh, stuff. He's about to go on an absolute tear for the next few years. And, um, you know, it was a great great opportunity for me to have a guy who'd taken not only Tiger to the top, but Greg Norman and coach so many others just have a look in on my game. So uh, it was a fortunate meeting. Yeah. And, and around that time when you were working with Butch, Tiger was working with Butch. I mean, year swing and Tiger swing looked a lot alike, got compared to each other quite often. Was his swing something that you like consciously tried to emulate? Like a lot of people obviously try to do that, but yours looked like his, or was that just the way you swung the club naturally? Um, no, there was no doubt as a, as a, as a teenager, or I guess Tiger really burst onto the international scene where we could see a swing of his when I was about 16 years old, 16 or 17. So from about that time, I kind of morphed out of swinging like Greg Norman and a big like reverse C and a sliding foot to a bit more swiveling of the hips like Tiger had and uh, speed that way um, because, you know, everyone wanted to kind of emulate what Tiger was doing at that point. And again, this is in the 90s, really didn't have a lot of access to video analysis. So it was far from just taking video on your phone and, look at your swing so I was just doing what I thought looked like Tiger and, and it did it looked a fair bit like Tiger I think the rhythm of it you know slow deliberate swing back then and then a really fast lash at the ball was um, convincing people enough that it was similar to Tiger but when Butch broke it down on his um, video equipment you know some of the positions were a little bit different and we definitely did work on some similar stuff that um Butch had success working on Tiger with when he was a little younger, like I was at that time. Well, you, you know, you got to compete against him for a number of years. I mean, you were one of the best players in the world. I remember at the 08 U.S. Open, it was number one, two, and three in the world. You were the number three player in the world getting to play in that group with him and Phil Mickelson. People love Tiger stories. Do you have one that kind of sticks out of your time of playing with Tiger throughout your career? Oh, yeah, sure. I have, I have plenty. Uh, of them I think I don't know what people really like hearing I think the interesting ones to me was you know what physically he just did everything better than everyone you know he drove it better than everyone irons chipped putted clutch it was everything better than everyone and that's why he was dominating but he just had it in the head so much better than everyone and then it got to the point where he he would just play mind games on the course in majors. Uh, he would pull way too much club on a par three. 
and let you know and let and let you see it as it was playing out and he'd made like kind of a full swing with a seven uh and flight it in there nicely and let you see it was a seven and you were tossing up whether it's a eight or a nine <laughs> and you're like well it's definitely eight then if he's hit seven and then you go ahead and hit the eight and airmail the green i mean this was kind of standard stuff where he was just messing with guys so much um but it got to the point where i i started having some success playing with tiger by not watching him play that was the best way to go i just i i literally turned my back and didn't watch him make a move or hit a shot or get or feel like i could get sucked into the drama that was playing with tiger woods because there was so much going on um but i think the 08 us open was a great one i mean him hobbling around on a leg on one leg uh he looked pretty awful the first 27 holes and then he had this five under back nine on Friday and put himself right in there and, of course, did his thing on the weekend with uh, all the dramatics uh, that he does. It, it, it's truly quite incredible. I just don't, I just don't know it, that certainly in my lifetime that we'll see somebody else playing the game at a level so far above anybody else. It was, it was quite remarkable. I mean, what an asshole! You just take two clubs more on purpose just to mess with the guy. I hadn't even I hadn't heard that. Good. I hadn't heard that part before. I'm That's so, fascinating. That's yeah. just like I'm so far above everyone. I don't even care about hitting like the best shot. I'm just gonna mess with their brains enough so yeah. that they mess up too. The first, the first time he did it to me, he uh, so I I got to play my first major was the 2000 Open Championship at St Andrews, and I'd gone through all the qualifyings and made it. I'd been a pro like a month, and. Uh, Butch got me to play a practice round with Tiger, O'Meara, and I think it was Duval. And so it's a big group. And they play, they played major practice rounds all the time. And it was like they played $1,000 notes. And that was the game. So, of course, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, I don't even know if I'd made a check for $1,000 at that point. And uh, on the 11th hole, I was the only guy in the group without a bogey. So it was all on me, and this is looking good. And Tiger hit kind of this soft, buttery four iron into the 11th green. It was a little bit into the wind. And I had five iron in my hand, thinking that was right. Sorry, hit the four, went back to the bag, got the four, airmailed the green. And he said, You should never look in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, that's fantastic. All right, I want to take but you to cost, another that story. Cost me that cost me a bogey <laughs> mm, mm, costly too when you haven't had a check for a thou yet uh i want to take you to another story here that we got this from your boy jeff ogilvy right so i want to take you back to 2006 us open he ends up winning at Wingfoot, dramatic fashion i don't think anybody really saw it coming but he told us that you were on your plane ready to take off check your phone you see that he wins and you come back and meet him at the hotel that night for a celebration can you walk us through that story he told it and it's awesome yeah, so uh, we finished up, and I don't know where I finished, but not close to winning. And, uh, you know, Jeff uh, Jeff was right up there, but he also wasn't necessarily looking like winning. There were so many people ahead of him. Um, and I remember I was flying back to London with 
Ernie, Ernie invited me to fly back to London, which is dangerous at times. And, uh, and Thomas Bjorn were on the, were on the flight and we were at the airport and Jeff's going to, Jeff's won the U S open. And, uh, I thought, man, <laughs> you know, we, we've played junior golf, amateur golf, and basically I followed him to Europe and then came to America and my, my mates just won the US Open. I think I got to go back and, and celebrate with him. I didn't know who he had with him that week or, or who was around. So I thought I'll go back for sure. So that's it. I took my bags and went back to the golf course. I met him at the golf course. And of course, you know, not thinking straight, he had a lot to do at the golf course after he won the US Open. So I was just hanging out with his caddy and then eventually went back to the hotel and uh yeah that night he filled up the trophy and i definitely uh took a few sips celebrating out of the trophy so i have had my hands on on the us open trophy even though i haven't won it wasn't it in like the lobby of the hampton inn and like he said you guys were drinking yeah. on like random golf fans were just walking in like holy shit that's jeff ogilvy and adam scott yeah. like oh my god like guys were just joining it in was. like i just hit the lottery yeah yeah, it was somewhere. It was like the Marriott in White Plains or somewhere like yeah. that. And uh, yeah, there were tons of randoms there at the end and the trophy was just getting passed around. Love it. You the gotta Haver win Camp's a trophy you can in. drink out of. Yeah, that's why you gotta I imagine the Haver Camp show up from across the country and they walk in to go to bed. <laughs> oh, there it is. There's, there's the winner. I love it. Yeah. Well, let's go to a tournament you did win, the 2013 Masters. Take us through that week, because I know your first ever Masters, you top 10. So I'm guessing you kind of like the place right right out, right out, from the get-go. But take us through 2013. Was that one you're coming into? You're like, okay, this very well could be my year. Yeah, to be honest, it was. I was kind of feeling I was um, – I had my game completely under control generally at the time. And going back to that time, I had put such a huge focus on being prepared to play the majors – and I felt like I started getting the kind of respite and uh, the ingredients right leading up to major weeks and uh, getting to Augusta for sure. For sure that week, everything was really under control. I was swinging great. And uh, I played a couple practice rounds, nine holes, Tuesday, Wednesday with Ernie and Louis Oosterhaus and Brandon Grace might've played one day and Charles the other day and uh, just played so well. And, you know, it's not often that your colleagues make comment about how you're playing, but Ernie did and, and Louis did. And you can sometimes you can just tell when a guy's really got it all together and even their demeanour. And I think I was just there. It was like, it might not get any better than this for me, like the chances, and I was, I was just ready to do it. Um, I think generally that was the feeling going on around me that time which is a nice feeling to have. I'd like to replicate that again at some point. Take us through, because you, you, you made an incredible birdie on the 72nd hole. You made that putt in the rain. Uh, you're playing with Mark Leishman. He goes nuts. Possibly you might have just won the Masters. And then Angel Cabrera comes in the last group and just stones it on 18. Mm -hmm. Were you watching or were you on the putting green? Where were you when all this happened? No, I was still, uh, he was grouped behind me. So I was in recording uh, uh, and they had a little TV screen in there. Fortunately, I'd counted my card up correctly before he stoned it, but I was watching him there. You know, I guess 
I guess luckily I'd been around long enough to know that it wasn't over. And to be fair, Steve Williams uh, was caddying for me at the time. And before we left the 18th green uh, and walked through and obviously there was quite an atmosphere going on and it kind of felt like I might've just won the masters. He said, you know, this thing isn't over yet. Uh, so I, that probably prepared me as well. And then when he stoned it in there, it was like, okay, well, I always kind of had this feeling of, well, this is good. It's only down to two of us for the masters now, you know, there's only two left. So the chances are getting better and better. Yeah. And you end up making the birdie putt on 10 to win the masters. You're the first Australian to ever win the masters. Tell us for us, like how big was that when you, when you went back to Australia as the masters champion? I mean, what, what's that moment like over there? It was a big, it was a big deal. Generally, uh, although we don't play all the same sports uh, as everywhere in the world, and we have made up some of our own funny sports, certainly Americans probably think they're quite funny, like cricket, Australian rules football. We we really rate ourselves as sportsmen in Australia, and we're a strong sporting country. And the Masters was kind of like the last peak that we hadn't managed to summit in sport. Uh, the year before, Cadell Evans had won the Tour de France and become the first Australian to win the Tour de France. And all these boxes had been checked, uh, but not the Masters. And because I think Greg Norman was so close so many times to winning the Masters, it, that, that event was big anyway, but with Greg being so dominant uh, in the game for a long time and not getting over that line, it became a big thing. So to take the green jacket, down to Australia was really, a, you know, a bit of a parade for a month for everybody to see it. It was like this mythical article of clothing that had never made it to Australia before. And Adam, when you're in that conversation at the time as one of the best players without a major, and then you finally go ahead and get it done at Augusta the way you did, is it more joy or is there a sense of relief? Like, okay, I don't have to answer that question anymore. That's behind me. No matter what happens from this point forward, I'm a major champion. I Honestly, I think it's more joy. I don't know how long I was in that conversation of being the best player without a major. I, I was a good player, but until a couple of years before I won the Masters, I, I wasn't featuring regularly in majors. You know, uh, I think about 2011, that started changing and I was performing better. So I didn't really feel like I had that monkey on my back for too long. I, you know, luckily, I think to answer that, it was more just joy. I mean, it was, it's an incredible feeling. Uh, you know, when I think about standing down there on the 10th green with my arms in the air and, and rolling it in, it's, uh, it's probably impossible to top that moment in my career, even if I went on to win another one or another major or something like that. It, it, the first one has to be very special. No doubt. That was such a cool moment. I'll never forget it. Raising your arms like that. And Stevie with the incredible read who said it wasn't going to break yeah. quite as much as you thought, correct? No, he thought it was going to break twice as much as I thought. Oh, twice as much. Okay. Which is even, so which who, is even a bigger call at the time. If you think about it, I said, I think it's going to break a cup. And he just said, Adam, this breaks a lot. It's two cups. I said, are you sure? And have you ever seen this putt in your life here before? <laughs> and he said, Adam, a big one. It, yeah, Adam, it breaks two cups. So, you know, I don't know uh, 
you know, that, and that was Steve. That's how he delivered lines. There was no questioning it whatsoever. So he was adamant it broke two cups. I mean, if I don't know if I put it out there two cups or not, or whether I got it like a cup and a half and gave it a bit of a firmer run, but you know, I, I definitely moved out there way more than I thought. First of all, that's credit to you for one, trusting him, and two, in that moment to have a caddy be like, go against his player and be like, no, it that takes more balls. than that. I mean, that big balls. If you if, if you miss that high side, you're gonna be like, ah. oopsies. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get him on yeah, the next. No, he he. Look, to be fair, Steve doesn't mind hanging him out there. That's that's all his game. <laughs> and to and you know. Luckily, he <laughs> he's had a lot of victories, so he doesn't have to stew over too many losses. But I'm sure he's lost a couple, if you ask him, that uh, he'd, he'd take back. But with all the victories, I think, you know, his, his confidence was just the thing that set him apart as a caddy and being able to deliver in a situation like that. But he delivered like that, with, you know, on the first green Thursday. It was the same stuff, and that's why he was so good and consistent and... Uh, you know, he brought a lot of confidence to me in my game. And, yeah, to have that trust. I I've, I haven't watched the whole Masters Sunday that much, but I do. I have watched the last couple of holes in the playoff a few times. And when I watch that and I look at the interaction between Steve and I, I just think it's, you know, you can tell we're really working together there and that, that made a difference at, that, at those big moments. That's such a cool, such yep. a cool moment. Yep. Um, Let's, we we got to get to the E9. Yeah, I got. I want to ask one more just question, like, long-term. Because, like, Adam, throughout your career, you're, like, a 17 to 20 events on the PGA Tour type of a guy, which is plenty. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you still enjoy your time away, too. Do you view yourself as someone that wants to play on the Champions Tour once you're 50? Or do you have ambitions to do stuff outside of golf? It's a really hard, hard one to answer. Um, <laughs> especially given like the shift in how everything, everything's now changing. I mean, you know, if you say in five years, I'm going to be 47, what does the golf landscape look like? I mean, who knows at the moment, every, everything seems to be changing uh, every eight weeks <laughs> right now. So I don't know where it's going to end up. I, I think the honest answer is, I think it's got to be really hard to just hang the clubs up and say, that's it. If I, if I'm still playing, in seven years time and I'm getting close to 50 to just walk away at, at any level that's kind of remotely competitive I think it'd be pretty hard to just completely walk away and I don't think I'd want to I think you know the the best thing is I get to go back to the Masters every year for as long as I can possibly carry myself around the golf course there at Augusta National so I'll definitely be you know I look to a guy like Fred Couples who man he was doing a nice job making cuts all the time into his 60s you know to think about if i could keep myself healthy and and play at that level i think i'd enjoy that i don't know what else i'd be good at to be honest <laughs> <laughs> you'd be a shampoo model that's yeah, always shampoo. there yeah you gotta let that. it go a little bit yeah yeah uh, Adam, we're gonna get that fro going for you yeah exactly. I, I gotta be like this. little troy palomalu yeah that's a, <laughs> a nice head and shoulders Good All money. Right. We do this to everyone. It's called the Emergency Nine. Just nine more fun questions about Adam Scott. We ask this to everybody. You can trade lives with anyone, dead or alive. You get to be them for a day. Who would it be? If I, sorry, say that one again. You can trade lives with anyone. You get to be somebody else, whether they're dead or alive, whatever it is. 
one day of their life, who would it be? Uh, Elvis Presley. Mm, okay. I watched that movie recently, by the way. Yeah, I know. Cool that's thing going I did too. That's why I thought of it. That's why I thought of it. We were just in Memphis. Yeah. We were just in Memphis recently. <laughs> he had some good days. He had some good, and like yourself, a bit of a fashionista, Mr. Presley. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you this. Which one of your fashion statements are you more surprised didn't blow up mainstream? The super pleated pants or the doo-doo brown everything look? <laughs> I think that I think the uh, doo-doo brown did pretty well. I mean, that got a lot of attention. I'm disappointed the super pleated pants didn't come back. I couldn't, you know, Bill Haas gave me some positive feedback on the pleated pants, but that's about where it stopped. <laughs> was that your idea or was that your clothing company's idea? Like, hey, let's try and see if we can bring these back. Uh, it was kind of, we, we got some old images of like Hogan and stuff and, uh, tried to modernize that look i don't know if we pulled it off but it was kind of fun for me anyway it got a lot of attention you could probably you're probably the only guy in golf that could put a trash can over his head and people like yeah dude looks great <laughs> that's it that's the new shit right there yeah yeah doo-doo brown trash can <laughs> the doo-doo brown was hot too i like that look yeah. all right next one I'm because start doing that we talked about steve williams for a second earlier please tell me you've ever asked him about the 2000 us open when he's caddying for tiger 18 when apparently it was the last ball in the bag. Have you ever talked to him about that story? And can you confirm that that actually was true? As far as I know, that is true. Steve, Steve. Oh my God. Couldn't embellish a story, but that one is true. That's been confirmed <laughs> by Tiger as well to me. I just, that, oh, that was just my, shocking. That would be the most unbelievable thing to ever happen in golf. Okay. Just a quick little lefty ball on 18. Yeah. Whoops. All right. Let's just well, reload. We're still up by a hundred. Yeah, one one more left, and they were—I don't know what they would one yeah. more down there. Yeah, mm. you'd have been diving into that Pacific real quick. All right, Adam, I need you to put your thinking cap on here and see if you remember this, okay? But your your college golf coach, Dwayne Knight, had a thing that he used to say to all his players. From what we're told, is like, "What are you, Adam?" And you'd say, there was a certain response you're supposed to give to that question. Can you ever? Can you think of your best response to Coach Dwayne Knight in college when he asked you, "What are you, Adam?" I think I said I'm two over. <laughs> That's pretty. I think pretty it was close. two effing over, Dwayne. Uh, We've been told uh, it was. I'm is that what it was? Just, oh, I cleaned it up. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, That's yeah, what I we were told. Because <laughs> yeah. you're, you're um, always yeah. supposed to call him Coach Knight. Yeah. And you, when he said, "What are you? A good putter?" I'm you a said, great putter. Yeah. yeah. I'm a great, too fucking yeah, over, Dwayne. Too fucking putter. over, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We've heard that our, yeah. our sources aren't always super credible, but we've been told no, that this on is a couple good. Of you guys, you guys have definitely dug in and done some homework because this is good stuff. Funny, too yeah, good. But Credit to you guys. You're another one of. I love that response. That's, that's fucking good. over, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do? Kick me off the team? Nope. Yeah. You're a tough no, one though because you're just so nice. Yeah, uh, you don't have any dark, dark stories. Uh, nah, nothing, nothing to anyway. Yeah, he he liked to penalize us and run laps every time, you know, if we bogeyed the last three holes or something, you know, if you're over par the last three. He had his little little things that were to be penalized for. And if you didn't say, I'm a great putter, then you were running laps and I couldn't care less <laughs> running laps. But <laughs> I was so mad on the golf course and I didn't need to hear that. 
That's such a great. Re- it's true. I knew it was true. What was it? Was it also true you were a part of the Sigma Chi fraternity at UNLV? <laughs> I have no idea how that started. I didn't even know there is a fraternity at UNLV. But no, I definitely am not. I've, Adam, so, so, come so many guys get disappointed. Uh, they're out there yelling stuff at me that I really don't know what it means, and uh, they think I'm their fraternity brother. But unfortunately, I was. <laughs> Not show, us, show us your ankle right now. Prove I can it. show us your ankle right now. See I, I had it, it. I had it lasered off. Yeah. Oh, Scott, that's why you wear the high socks, dude. I can imagine guys being like, "Oh, that's my fraternity brother, Adam Scott." There over he is, there. dude. We're basically brothers. You want know yeah, to? Yeah. Exactly. All right. There's that great commercial where there's a guy that named Michael Jordan that made a dinner reservation, shows up, and he's like, "Table for Michael Jordan," and they're all disappointed. But for you, have you ever showed up to a dinner reservation as Adam Scott and then be actually disappointed it wasn't the actor, Adam Scott? Yeah, fun- funnily enough, uh, we've never crossed paths, the actor and myself. Um, I did see he did a spoof once, like on Adult Swim, of himself and John Daly, the actor. There's an actor, John Daly, too, and they were kind of taking the piss out of me and John Daly. So <laughs> uh, I've seen that, but... We've never crossed paths. I think I think we should at some point. You know, we kind yeah, of uh, that feels... have to see. But um, you know, I'd be doing better on that pip if I kind of had his <laughs> his uh, social media following. Probably he's got a big one. Yeah, you got to lean into that, embrace that. They're giving yeah, away a lot yeah. of cash. My, yeah, maybe I gotta maybe I gotta milk that and somehow get us confused to work my way up that pip number. <laughs> yeah you get a little little cameo on severance upcoming season that might do that might do magic for you exactly. um i'm gonna stay i'm gonna stay on unlv here for a second do you think you would have stayed longer at unlv if charlie hoffman wasn't there <laughs> i wish i could say yes but he left after my freshman year so that wasn't the reason it, it looks like i left because charlie left but uh yeah. yeah it's terrible yeah it was uh it was a tough year being hazed by Charlie. He thinks he took it pretty easy on me, probably compared to what he got. But uh, I was probably a little too soft and, and deer in the headlights, kid coming from Australia to college golf in America. Man, carrying around Charlie's luggage and unpacking his shit every week was brutal. Packing his underwear into drawers and stuff at whatever motel we were staying at there's too much to think it's, about i don't want to go back there. Not, it's good it's to hear that fair. he has always been a seagull i mean he has always <laughs> been one never change never will yeah say what you want it's about it's the greatest him. nickname He's on the pga tour oh, too adam true yeah. or false though he did in fact save your life in hawaii maybe the one nice thing he's ever done for another human is this true well that's yeah okay that's maybe been embellished a little bit, but I did. We were out, mess, we were out messing around, body surfing and stuff, and we were coming back in, and we were in knee deep water, and I twisted my leg and dislocated my kneecap in the water, and he and uh, Michael Kirk, I think it was, was on the on the trip with us that week, and they kind of had to David Hasselhoff me back up to the beach. <laughs> well, he, he was in his stuff. natural anyway. habitat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Bad look for a surfer from Australia. Mm. Seagull's got to come rescue you. Need that's, right. right. that's right. That's right. But he did do something nice. All right, we'll give him that. All right. He did. Next one. He who? Did. 
who do you think had a bigger celebration after winning a major? You after the 2013 Masters or Shane Lowry with the Claret Jug after winning in 2019? Mm. Wow. Uh, I think Shane. I think Shane. You know, he got to he got to like drive back to Dublin that night. Can you imagine? Like, you know, I, I gave it a good nudge, but um, I didn't go straight home to Australia, and uh, I gave it a good nudge though. But I, I would, I should have driven down to Dublin that night after Shane won the Open. It would have been epic. Yeah, I think I'll give that one to Shane. I think that Claret Jug was like, "Get me away from this guy. I need a little break from him. Someone exactly. win me. Someone else yeah. win me. A good. I gave it a exactly. good nudge. I gave it. An, I gave nudge. it a good nudge. I like that. Uh, it's like getting amongst it. Um. All right. Last one from me, Adam. What is more dangerous to a young man's health, going to college in Las Vegas or taking an intercontinental private flight with Ernie Els? <laughs> I think these days taking that intercontinental flight, it's getting up. It, you know, it's tough to drink underage these days in uh, these Las Vegas. So you could sneak in places. Uh, Charlie Hoffman could tell you some stories about that from Las Vegas. But uh, yeah, Ernie, Ernie conditioned me well over the years. We had we had some really great times. He was so so good to me on and off the golf course. Like. He was really a bit of a big brother for me for a long time and learned so much of him, not just on the golf course, but also how to uh, have a good session <laughs> after Sunday, after a Sunday at the golf. A good nudge. What was the one he told us when he came on from going, uh, y'all were going from Asia to the to Australian the, Open? Yeah. On at, Super Bowl, Super Bowl week, wasn't it? At Royal Melbourne, I believe. Yeah. And you guys both played yeah. great somehow? We played great. Yeah. yeah we, I don't know why we never decided to kind of do that as preparation for a major. Like <laughs> each time we did, one of us ended up winning the tournament. We, there was the Melbourne one kind of made, made the, uh, made it around the tour a little bit, but we had another night. Uh, it was at the Johnny Walker classic back in the day in Beijing. And, and that stretched into, you know, like it's some kind of 40 hour affair that never ended. And, and I ended up winning that week at the Johnny Walker. Uh, but, you know, we never really did it leading into a major. So maybe maybe that has to happen. <laughs> There's well, still time for you. you what, There's still time for you, Adam. I'm happy to help you join for a yeah, little 40-hour sesh before, before this year's Masters. And we'll yeah. see what happens. <laughs> we'll just give it, a good, yeah. we'll give it a good nudge. Be feeling the sweet out there. Yeah, T-Bones next year. Monday, <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday. It's, yeah. it's make, on. Make a reservation now. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're going to nudge the shit out of it. Uh, all right, last one. I'm very interested to hear the answer to this. Is it true house guests are no, long, no longer allowed to take over the Bluetooth music <laughs> at your house? That is true. That, well, they're, they're welcome to, but they need to be careful. Lessons have been learned at my house about using the Bluetooth. Yeah, that Do you was... want to get into it or just let it go? <laughs> I, I think we should let that one go. I think <laughs> as far I, you I got a squeaky well, clean image. I, I'm good. You know, other than telling the coach I was too fucking over, I'm pretty clean. But we're gonna throw a lot of other people <laughs> under the bus if we go to that one. So, uh, that that's was a fair. That's enough. a funny story, and uh, you know, ultimately um, there was there was no harm done. I think. And uh, someone that's... had a good time in the end. 
<laughs> it's a great story. Our lips I, are sealed. And dude. I love the guy too. I mean, he is one of yeah. the best. God. He's the absolute best. Such a good, such a good guy. And he was, he caddied, uh, he ended up caddying for me for the better part of a couple of years. And we had a really good run uh, out there winning, winning a couple of events in a row. So all, uh, there you go. Just for a little hit, a little hit for everyone out there. There you go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah very PR savvy. I very love it. PR well, savvy. Adam, man, we really appreciate it. Best of luck at the President's Cup. And yep. I'll be seeing you in Charlotte. Thanks. Yeah, look forward to it, Cole. Thanks, Drew. Good to be with you guys. All right. That was Adam Scott joining us on Golf Subpar. He knows they got quite the mountain to climb against Team USA this week at Quail Hollow. But listen, you got some very motivated guys probably playing with a chip on their shoulder for all the disrespect they're getting. It would be a hell of a story if they could somehow make this thing close. I just That's kind of my hope. I don't expect the internationals to, to win this thing. It'd be a monumental upset in golf. I don't think in team events going forward ever, maybe we might see a minus 700 on the board for Team USA, but I want it to be fun. Like, dude, how good was Melbourne? That was like the best one probably since South Africa that I can remember. Whereas like this thing could go either way going into singles, but they got a big hill to climb. Adam Scott's been there a million times. He's the vet now of that group. And it was just fun. Like we talked a lot of President's Cup at the beginning, but then at the end, like got into some stories and some fun stuff. Adam Scott does an unbelievable job for a world-class superstar of staying under the radar. He, he's not on, he doesn't do any social media. He's not trying to make appearances and be out. He wants everything private and to finally get like some kind of cool stories out of the guy. Like he's awesome. He just doesn't want that. He doesn't want the lights like Great, a lot of people dude. do, which I respect more than anything. That's there's a lot of guys that are the opposite. I was a little upset he didn't share the last story about yeah. his caddy, but I mean, you if can anybody knows, you probably figured out it is fantastic. But I love sitting down. He's always been, he is one of the nicest guys out there. Has always been great to me ever since I've known him. Um, it was a pleasure to jump on with him. And Charlie I'm, Hoffman, for all the shit we give him, might have saved Adam Scott's life. It's true, unbelievable. The, the world class surfer, and he'd be saved and. A knee deep water. Listen, and I want Team USA to win this week, but I do want it to be close. I just want to just fun. Ha have fun watching it. It's not going to be fun if it's if it's potentially done by singles. Yeah, but we're going to have a lot of golf this week. Got also some more football, which we're experts That's at. Free just money. Three winners last week. No big deal. And it's time to put on your favorite game day gear because college football is here, and FanDuel wants you to get in on the action. Right now, new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars. That's one thousand dollars back in free bets if your first bet doesn't win. You can do money line, parlays, same game parlay, which Hello, I know you like. sweetheart. By the way, Joel Damon listens to every pick we take. I mean, just, Joel, just tread lightly. Joel is texting <laughs> us on every, how confident are you? I was like, dude, I don't know. We just pick games. We're not, we're not, we're not, uh, we don't have any analytics here, bud. All right. Well, let's keep it rolling. Let's, we're going to give, we're going to give up a football pick, our favorite bet of the week um, in college football. And then we're also going to do another fun parlay like we did last week with Max Holman, the Cal Bears. This week, we're going to do it with, one of Team USA's players to possibly be maybe point leader going up with it, whichever school he went to. Correct. So There's no, numerous options there. And that'll be out later in the week when all those odds come out. But right now, I'm going to go with a team that's just rolling. Mm -hmm. Maybe rolling on like a Trojan. Yes, dude. This is I'm, a good one. I had to I mean, audible out, but this is the one. They've covered the first three games of the mm -hmm. year and done it quite easily. They're going up to a tough place. Sorry, Derek Anderson. They're going up to a tough place to play. They're going up against the Oregon State Beavers. But they're six and a half point favorites. Lincoln Riley's got this team rolling. Hey, you cover the first three. I'm gonna keep riding. Weird shit happens at night in Corvallis, but I couldn't agree. This is the one I looked at for before I came to the super extra pick of the week. But the USC get, giving up less than a tub up there. Six and a half. Better, Let's go. But they're thumping right now. Love that pick. I'm gonna go with one that's obviously the biggest no brainer on the board this week, and that is the the biggest game without question in the country. 
in the United States of America. The TCU Horn Frogs are getting one and a half points against their little brother, the SMU Mustang. Did you know that? We are getting a point and a half. You should be embarrassed. Down in Highland because Park. Because you've lost at last that little two years. high school stadium that we're going to come in and overrun. We're going to take what's ours, which is Iron Skillet. We already took your coach. We're going to take it all back. We're going to go back to Fort Worth and do what we do, which is win championships sometimes. If, if one and a half points, though. You would have never have thought if that. If they win for the third time in a row, you have to revert to me as daddy the entire time. I will never on, call on you father. If we win, we've won 18 out of 20. You have to call me father. Listen. Uh, address me as back your royal to back highness. Iron skillet champs about to make it a third. We're taking the skillet. By the way, ignore the plus one and a half. Take the money line. Get a little extra juice. That's the bet. All right. Well, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. The app is so easy to use. They're always hooking you up with great odds. And when you win, you get paid fast. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel app today and sign up with promo code SUBPAR and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in free bets and bet on college football all season long. Once again, promo code SUBPAR. Must be 21 years and older in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus listed as non withdrawable free bets. Expire 14 days after retreat. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369 in New York, Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. But do it responsibly. Responsible gambling and drinking of doers is the only way to go. 100%. All right, go Team USA. We'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar. Park.